In this episode of the podcast, the guys are discussing military conflicts, including the ongoing situation in Ukraine and its after effects. There is also strong language. Discretion is advised. Hello, guys. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Mind Stigma with myself, Tom Perry. Yeah, and myself, Alex and Marie. Uh, today, our guest is Steve Wilson, friend, fellow veteran, sort of. Um, yeah, fellow veteran, and still comes back to Mount Batten Fillion to aid in some of the work that we do with veterans and just wanted to come on to sort of share his story around his mental health and obviously his escapades ever since. So, yeah, welcome, Steve. Uh, it's nice to be here. Um, thank you for having us. I like the work. I just want to quickly say that I like the work that you lot have done. I've listened to uh, on Spotify and whatnot, and I feel like it's a it's a good thing you lot started, and I hope you continue it. I start with a bit about me. Yeah, please. Yeah, just t- t- tell us a bit about yourself, mate. As I was just sort of saying before we started recording, um, like most people that join the military, come from a relatively broken home. Things, you know, never really great. Joined up because for a calling as such, there's something greater than oneself, which is a theme I'll probably repeat through this, yeah. to be fair. Went through all the sort of escapades that you normally do when you enlist. Became a searcher in the Royal Engineers, which is, uh, you know, quite a sort of dangerous, but nonetheless respectable profession. Um, especially with the height of Afghan and Iraq um, and the ID threats that come from it. What dates are we talking that you joined then? An age, an age. I joined... When I was 18, so, you know, like a, a an adult enlistment as such. Although, let's be honest, none of no man's really close to being an adult at that age. Ah, just a stupid child. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know I'm there yet. But yeah, so I joined when I was 18 in 2005. And then I've done about nine years. And in that time, I've done only one tour, but nonetheless, quite a hard one, I consider. Um, and that was Afghanistan. What year was that? That would have been 2010, which would have been Herrick 11 and 12. I think because we, 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 where we went in there, there was the rip in and rip out. Um, so we covered sort of the middle ground of two. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had pretty much a sort of a gray career as such. I never really shined or excelled, but never really was like truly bad at anything. I just plodded along, enjoyed it for what I was as most young men drunk too much, behaved too like badly, but like, you know, I was with a giant family, which is, you know, something that definitely everyone misses when you get out, you know, which is something we'll probably come on to later on i'll probably say like the two or three year point um after training and i finally got into the regiment and everything else i noticed something within myself like issues as such uh in regards mainly towards anger but i think i was angry because i didn't really know what was what was why i was feeling so different or, or what was going on i wouldn't say i had like a really bad upbringing but it most certainly could have been better and there were certain instances that definitely developed later on to turn me into the person I was for the good and for the bad. What did you first, like, so obviously you joined... Joined 05. 05, you you know, you get through your training elements and that. And I think, so this whole period of, of learning, finding yourself within like a new organisation, a cog, becoming part of that and finding the functionality in that. Like where, where did that first initial feeling of that anger or the, the feelings that arose around that, where... Why and where did that come from, do you feel like? I, I feel like, you know, um, it was always there. I was always, I was a relatively angry child in a household with two brothers and a single mum in a typical sort of council estate environment. There was always an element of anger there, both like at home and on the streets in life. But then as I sort of become it into adulthood and then in the military setting was sort of when I started to recognise it for inherently not being a sort of societal norm. Yeah. and it being an issue but again i think you know in hindsight now this is because there was a lot of feelings and emotions and things that happened to me and i don't really know how to explain it or deal with it appropriately do you think like i can kind of like sort of say like yeah that is i feel like maybe it's a kind of 
don't want to say it's a normal thing. It's almost cliche though, right? Yeah, you yeah. Because and I, and I honestly believe that this is why a lot of people go into the military. It's that they're slowly steered towards it by having not necessarily broken homes, but they're missing that sort of. It's that family link, I think, isn't it? Yeah, the enjoyment of being. Yeah, being around yeah. others, yeah, and actually helping others and being part of something bigger than yourself. And I've said it before, it's kind of one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest sell points, I think. And unfortunately, that is what it is. I mean, that, that's all wrapped up in the nationalistic pride and, and yeah. the honour and everything else. But, like, when you break all the PR, can we swear here? Yeah. Yeah, when yeah. you break all that bollocks and all that sort of, yeah. oh, I'm doing this for at the time queen and country and all that it's it's not it's because you 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 want to be a part purpose, of something yeah yeah, purpose, yeah. i think that that's what most lads well and personally what i see that comes through the door uh beers all different age groups is that the, their purpose is now changing again and that's initially what started them off in the military is the purpose thing like okay well you know what i did have a family yeah there was love there but actually you know what i didn't get a sense of respect or i, I didn't feel like i got pushed or driven or, you know it was very bare bones love and you know basic family stuff which you know don't get me wrong like a normal household you know you, you know in the sense that you know a lot of single mothers kicking about and and you've got kids that are you know two or three people that are trying to get all that attention out of one person it does create i think a little bit of uh animosity there for life or love for family and i think that's what people will then strive for in the military so it's almost like a feeling of injustice that you're trying to write later yeah. on i mean uh, uh, i think we should uh, go into that again i kind of want to like i said uh, before like that's the, how i was feeling about things and i started to notice it and pick it up as i was slowly a young a long way from maturing completely obviously but like starting to mature and becoming aware of oneself mm. you know because i was now in an organization that was definitely like bigger than me and a part of a team that was bigger than me and a part of like a family that was bigger than me because when you reflect on how society was and especially how it is now it's very selfish and singularly orientated which is why a lot of people are in desperate now because they're missing that sort of connection but so through all that that's when i started to realize that there were sort of fundamental issues but i channeled it the wrong way and usually the stereotypical thing is right well i just need to be more manly so you know drinking heavily then doing fizz the next day the same old cliche things that 99.9 percent .9 of the x forces in this building and around the country will probably agree with is what you can just run it out or fight it out or drink it out obviously didn't work but then that was sort of kept on a on a, on a low burner as such i still managed to go about my day like everyone else and do my job and then the years would pass and then obviously afghan sort of come into our it was our rotation time and yeah so anyway, there was the build up to that during that that sort of pre-build up i'd met a woman and we got quite close and uh, i met her at a friend's wedding and as we had that sort of pressure behind us of me going away to war you know that was just constantly running in the background with the whole relationship what was that feeling like then because for me i haven't i hadn't encountered that yeah at all and you know and there's plenty of guys in there that tried to describe to me but they couldn't because i think it's an out-of-body experience going in especially when you get to that war zone but the preparation because for some people it was knowing especially when you then went away it's knowing full well that there has been a lot of death that the, the threats that are out there what you're going there with equipment wise you know and i feel like sometimes you're not you're set up to fail but i feel like you knew that there was there was holes in your armor for want of better words and and it you knew that there was no amount of training now that could potentially undo some of those i think in regards to that like at the time obviously it felt like a massive step that i was taking in reflection to everything that's 
happened in recent life i honestly believe that my hand was being held but that's only because obviously of my going to ukraine it's like your worst day is always going to be your worst day until you have another one that's worse mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like regardless of how minute that day or that time that period might seem in hindsight at the time like i just said it was your worst day so you had it so the build-up to afghanistan was scary yeah. as it would be for everyone there and it, you know it's like almost a cliche to say this now but anyone that says they ain't scared is either you know a liar or delusional yeah and like you know i've carried that with me you know people would say that or consider me brave or, or like stupid or whatever you know wherever you want to play it and it's just like Man, man, I was fucking scared, just like everyone else, you know? That's what I was about to say. I mean, being in that environment, I can imagine that is a constant worry, just a constant thought of what's going to happen next. It's that anxiety, in it? I think it's like the uh, you've, you're, you're, uh, your foot's on the pedal continually, um, the cogs aren't stopping for you, you know, night or day, war's war, or even the build-up is, is basically war within yourself, you know? You're, war, you're having a, an internal fight with your emotions and feelings, because it is a such an unnatural thing to put yourself in danger the conflict you have with yourself i believe is the fact that you're so out of control of what's happening around you the only thing yeah. you can control is the fight with yourself because quite frankly in regards to afghanistan you are literally in essence just like all right you get your bucksy six months pre-deployment training it's pretty much out of date by the time you get there can't be helped it's just the way the nature of the beast yeah. then they pick you up and then they chuck you into this random country with a culture that they've only showed you slideshows of about how they do things, how they conduct themselves, how they, you know, how they speak and everything. You've got like a little bit of paper with some phrases on, you know, just like, I don't know if that means stop or go or turn. And then you, you're, you're guessing from their point, you know, you, you, only, you can only rely on those around you and hope that your training has been adequate, which can only train so much ultimately. Because when, when shit hits the fan, that's it. Everything's fucking fucked anyway. For our listeners and, that, and for people that are watching that, how would you describe that when you came out and you went back into the workplace? Is there anything that's ever been similar, like the build-up wise, maybe whether it be anxiety around being in the workplace, learning something new? Has anything ever matched that at all? The elephant in the room, we'll talk about Ukraine, but yeah. like, but, but before that as a civilian side of things. Have you chased that? Have you chased that feeling? Try to. Um, I, I mean, I've done forestry for a few years and I was quite fortunate in the fact that when I transitioned from military to civilian, forestry was quite a big chunk of that initial transition and i broke everything down into military terms so i had all my ppe mm -hmm. and then that was all done like as my military ppe would be and then i had my chainsaw which then i treated as my weapon as such and then the, you know the, the dangers and, and like the risks at that sort of line of work especially when you have absolutely the, the only thing i'd ever done before was climb a tree mm -hmm. so like <laughs> so like this charity that was set up in kent was like teaching everyone sort of from the basics up and that was very fortunate for me because that like i had a, what would i consider a relatively smooth transition in the in relation to some other people yeah. and that sort of helped break me in because i was in that sort of lifestyle that wasn't the society's norm you know that's a massive help isn't it because when you yeah. think about what your the expectation of you whilst you're in the military versus when you leave and the expectation of any other organization is nowhere near as high so i then think this is when we start rolling into when you start self-analyzing yourself and where you're at in life. And, you know, like everyone does. And I think obviously in the military is, it's a bit of a curse for that because it, it does build you up to believe you are something. Gives you purpose. Yeah, it gives you a massive purpose. And if you roll back to the you know beginning of it all and talking about families and that sort of stuff, and all of a sudden you've lost your family, which is a military, your job, because you've decided it's not quite you anymore. And then all of a sudden, now you're trying to build a family, get a job, and then rebuild a whole life. The expectation is massive. And I think if you're not mentally 
cut out for that. I mean, this is the fallout here. You know, I don't think you could truly be cut out for it. I believe you can prepare yourself to be more resilient mm. to the change. But you know, we're only human. We're all infallible. Like yeah. you, you can never make yourself indestructible. And it's like that fallacy where everyone just assumes that if I do this and do that and do this and do that, everything's going to be fine. That's not the case, and it, and it never will be. It's very, you know, it's it's there's such a substrata of people that manage to succeed at a hundred percent that, and then now with social media and everything else and like forums quite like this they, they can project that onto the world to make you think that you know that's almost not normal but it's, it's not of course it's not what's um for me then one of the main reasons why i really wanted to get steve on is around obviously i know that when you put yourselves in these positions that you've been in you know with afghanistan with military in general and then leaving i feel like you know the big the big elephant in the room being around ptsd around anxiety and just generally suffering with poor mental health after leaving due to the fact that you are trying to discover yourself is i think it's such a prevalent thing so i just wanted to kind of get your thoughts and feelings on that because you you know you're quite a, a big strong individual in the sense you know you you can fill up the room with your, your boisterousness and that but what is really un, yeah and your smile but what underneath all of that what has been or what has happened you know have you struggled are you coping of course i have and yeah. I'm, I'm struggling now i struggle every day i'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that i've got some magic remedy to cure that That's, i don't want to sound too sort of like fanboyish or simpy mm. but like joe rogan nailed it men suffer in quiet desperation and that hit me so hard it resounds every day because i see it around every day i see it in all everyone's eyes that we're here with now we all do it i see it in everyone that i speak to we all do it i constantly since i've been back from ukraine i constantly ask everyone are you happy not what you're doing, how much you're earning. Like that. I always ask, like, are you happy? Are you happy with the choices that you're making? You're happy with the way things are going? Every single time, people lie, and they can't help it. And the problem we're with nowadays is society's built up for men is to be like machines, you know, be a machine, don't show emotion, crack on with the day, and it's not always the case, you know. And there's guys that are scared to admit that they're suffering. I mean, I've seen it doing this for a couple of years now. I've seen the amount of guys that come forward and are basically on their knees. Because you know they've left it too late. Scared. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they are scared. I feel yeah. like you burn out your bravado. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like you get a jar of bravado, right? And it's like this: oh, you know what? As long as you're working, as long as you're you know providing and all that, you're doing the right things. But also, if you're suffering in any other way, you best just whack on load of bravado and just make a joke out of it, or shrug it off, or just don't say anything at all and just hope it sort of goes away. I, mean, and... I have sort of like, like I suppose it's only anecdotal because it's for me, but like where I got hit in Ukraine by artillery and like the, the, it bounced off my head and caused some brain damage. Now because of that, I get like hand-eye motor functions and speech issues. But it's only they only start to become apparent when I'm getting tired. It might even start at the end of this podcast because obviously it's a very intensive like mental thing. And it's like your, your hand sort of like that is continuous until I fight it. And then I have to sort of, you know, but then towards the end of the day and I'm just like, it starts to go again because yeah. you're fatigued because you had no respite, so to speak, you know, and that, and it's the same thing for the mental health aspect because it's hidden though. It's it, hidden. Yeah. yeah it, well, it, it is and it ain't. And like, we're kind of going about it the wrong way, I think. Well, not the wrong way, but we're just, we're, we're going in half cock because like, there's a lot of people doing good work by saying, open up, open up, you know, and, and, and men should be able to open up. But then a lot of the people that are saying to these men, open up, are working nine to five. So what happens after that? So, because, because it goes back to that original statement of quiet desperation. You know what I mean? So what, we have to open up, release our feelings to the, all these therapists and all these like people that really with 100% of their heart want to help, but we're still, we, we, we need to learn how to deal with it ourselves as well. Yeah. Well, you saying, I mean, I, like, I've always said, you know, mental health is a 24-hour, seven days a week thing. It's not a nine-to-five thing. Yeah. You know, it's happening every day, of every every minute of every hour. It's not 
it's not a job where it just starts at a certain time and it finishes at a certain yeah. time. People are suffering every day. People are suffering every second. And it's like I say, it's not something that's going to go away. I think, like, going on again, I think we need, the focus should be, not, not self-help as in a complete and absolute thing, but, like, that should be the main drive. Because, like, after my time, I know, I know we started to touch on it, like, in, in the military, and then as a civilian, I, I fell off the wagon. You know what I mean? I, I ended up being a, a cheating little bastard. I had no faith in me. I had no respect to anyone around me. And I was a very selfish wrongen. For, 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 without having to say any more swear words. And I, and I completely dropped off the wagon. I'm very lucky that I had people that around me that loved me at the time that tried to offer me support, but it still wasn't enough. As soon as I got anywhere to the resemblance of normality, went off it again. And it wasn't like a self, like a, a, a sort of physically sort of like you can see self-imposing destruction. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to get drunk and start fighting or anything. It was just like small little things that would push towards basically just me like falling off. And then, like, this destroyed all the relationships I had. Like, like now, like, I, I struggle to have a good relationship with my children because I'm a distant father. And even when I'm there, I'm never really there anymore. I speak to, out of my whole family, both my mum and my dad's side, I speak to maybe one relative, that's an uncle. And even then, it's mostly the communication in memes. That you putting them at arm's length. I believe it's a bit of everything. Because I'm a very strong and opinionated person. Um, but then, that, you know, just because you're strong and opinionated don't mean you're right. Not all the time. Having them at that, I don't know if you think the same thing, Tom, and I do it as well, but if you put people at a certain arm's length, you can then, like I say, you can control the narrative of that relationship. Yeah. And also the narrative around how you, where you've put them in that, it, mm -hmm. you know, or whether you use their judgment uh, as a strength or a weakness. And I think I've done that in the past. Um, you pull people forward and push people back uh, and you use them as pawns in, in the game of what you're doing with your mental health. It's a horrible thing, it but it's true. And it is, and it's not nice, but until you realise that actually you can do that but you have to do it in a way which is sensible and obviously that's controlled because otherwise what you do is you burn you burn your bridges with people and then when you really hit the floor like you said and when you see people on their knees and they actually lost a lot of their family because they've done that they've used up their bravado they've burnt bridges with people and then all of a sudden the only person they got around them is someone that they don't recognize that actually they're unable to open up to like yourself uh, in your group and it's it's sad because you know that they've done that as a self-protection mode all of a sudden now it's left them just with no one it's sad it's sad to see men it's frustrating like yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating yeah. but like uh, to bring it back sorry like to, to to my personal sort of situation obviously i went and had to suffer for all of the stuff that i've suffered mm. to then understand how i can fix it myself and then that sort of brings us to like just before the ukrainian war i was in a relatively good position financially i've just got my own little flat my own little home as you saw yourself it's kitted out it's quite a comfortable Lovely. little place. like nice little bachelor pad you know and like i was doing but i was, I was doing red lights red lights that come on certain time <laughs> flick a switch is like bound the, the link is in the bio <laughs> send the bio but um yeah, I, I, like things were going good because I'd managed to understand what I was going through and very stubbornly, this took a decade of like leaving the military to get into this position, very stubbornly drawing myself out to try and get a handle on my issues that I was facing. And I, and I finally managed to what I would say, get myself to a level of what like a normal functioning member of society would be. And then obviously the war in Ukraine started. The, see the war when it started in Ukraine. Is that something you put yourself forward yeah, for? Or is it something yeah, you um, for you? Yeah. 
it was not necessarily my business up until the point that Zelensky, and this was a very defining moment in both me, my mental state, the way I view myself and the way I view the world. When Zelensky done that conference or that it came on the news to coincide with his speech in about how, a speech is, sorry, how he wanted um, weapons, not, not, a, not a lift. It showed not long after that, the bombing of the Opera House in Mariupol, where, where it had a massive sign saying that there was children. All I saw in that moment was if it's not stopped there, it's coming here in one way or another. Because it won't be long until he does, as in Putin or the Russians, do something stupid and then Article 5 gets triggered and then we're all at war anyway. I kind of, it sounds really sort of like cliche, like I'm a do-gooder or something like that. I'm not, I'm a scumbag. However, I sort of saw my children in the children in Ukraine. Like, I would, that would kill me of being in that sort of situation and having these defenseless little people like to suffer it and then that was it from that literally from that it was about half eight at night or so whatever time the news was on because i don't really watch it i actually was in my neighbor's house and we were watching it when we see it and i just knew them and i'm going so that for me feels like so once again you then put yourself back in that getting yourself ready to go again go to war go you know just get yourself back in that mental state you know pre-deployment as such but your own how did that feel different from when you was in the military because you are now you know you're not part of a functioning military group anymore no one was holding my hand no so no, what no. did that feel like, like for you? And, and this was and this is where i believe I've, I, I've got a lot of strength from now is because at that defining moment there was only one thing i needed to do and that was get myself ready to go in that entail getting all like going through a kit list what would i need it turns out i didn't need nothing but i went and bought it all myself with what little money i had and then bought a plane ticket and then organized because no one really knew what they were doing but i was there within two weeks stumbling away with everyone else as well it was refreshing in a kind of weird sense that because i never had no officers or anyone in command telling me what to do i was doing this myself and it's a very righteous passage to, I mean, to take part on i personally you know i mean all of you you know because going out there to ukraine to a foreign country fighting alongside them helping them out you know i have a lot of respect for people who can do that you know and, and you say anything about the kids I know exactly that bit you're on about because I remember seeing it myself. I, I was crying. I thought, going man, like, you know, a man's man, as we were just talking about all that. And I, I literally, I was like, fuck. And I, and, I, and I don't understand how it gripped me, but it did. Yeah. And like, I was going there and trying to explain it to people because obviously, when you get into their, this country and they're looking at these foreign fighters that are turning up, they're like, why are you here? Because I didn't know where Ukraine was. The only time I ever had any sort of experience of Ukraine was in the Lord of War. When his brother's doing all that cocaine, he's drew a map of it. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was the only time, honestly. But before that, I didn't know. Like, you, I could have pointed roughly where it was, but I'd have got confused. I just had like, this real weird moment in my head where I thought, you know what? Yeah, Steve's on the ground with little blokes. He's got himself a little ground map out of the layout of the land with cocaine. Loads of, yeah, well, cocaine mountain. Right. Yeah, that's, <sighs> the, that's the ex-Opera house and it had like a cocaine mountain with dip in it. Right, they've yeah. got 38 tanks, but I've got one rocket launcher and I'll tell you what, we could do it. We could do it. <laughs> I I also felt the same thing. So in my head, when you was talking about um, the opera house stuff, and I remember, I do remember seeing that on TV. You know what? I think it, I think it challenges and tests, especially those that have been in and served, and just generally as well as a country that we live in, is that we do hold children to such a high esteem and we love you know we love our kids you know we love the we love our country love our freedom maybe there's there's some real there's some real break breaks in that at the minute as you you started that conversation yeah. my instant mindset was that's healthy masculinity because yeah. all we ever hear about is how toxic it is now how, how hard like how bad it is to be like a, a, what you'd consider an old school man which like to me like men cause a lot of problems in this world but then it's usually other men that step up to defend the ones that can't defend themselves yeah. 
You know, there, there is there is a thing called toxic masculinity, and it is prevalent in our society. But then there's also the counteract to that because when there's left, there's right. It's always yeah, you know when it, and then when there's light, there's dark. It's I always going to be the way. I just I feel like for a lot of people, and I'm not, like you know, I haven't had a great deal of people that have come back from the Ukraine um, to tell their story, but. The, the people that have inevitably gone out then I know that have gone and subsequently haven't always come back is that it actually challenged their moral compass and actually it it said to them it, it was a moment and they said why the fuck aren't you doing anything about this yourself you know they had the mental strength to, to have that conversation with themselves internally to say what the hell are you doing about it so is there anything you can do you know we we have disasters in this country we have all these other things that happen and people do step up and i do think that tests their moral compass but when it's outside of your comfort zone and you're and like you said in another country where actually people are, you know they're under attack so you then add in a new foreign uh, uh individual who does want to help you know you, you're greeted what well, maybe open arms maybe a little bit of a palm out in your face and say well know your place it's a bit both yeah and i think i think that must that is really difficult and i think that's why so many people were so interested in it because it did test their moral compass and i think that's something that as a man i think must have been difficult for a lot of a lot of vets i think because a lot of veterans have spoken about going but i also think it that that initial part of before you go that training that mental training preparation to go is harder potentially than being there because being there is is like what you already know the, you big, the biggest fear you've got is what is in your own mind it's, it's the prelude to everything it's like you know when you're a kid you used to hate going to the dentist and it, the, that fear of going is was worse than actually going and it's the same with everything if you knew that you at, after school johnny was going to go punch you up for some little misdemeanor beef that you had in school you, you were dreading that until it got to the actual fight itself and you yeah. get a few knocks and you're like, oh, crap, and you're like that's not too bad new king con lock oh yeah. no but like you know boys just it, it, it is what it is isn't it no, yeah. i'm i'm uh my my thoughts then going forward is is like and i and my worry especially when maria told me you were coming back and you came back is that my my thoughts and worries were around obviously where your mental state would be you know especially because you went at you know you was over there just over a year right 14 months 14 months so 14 months in a war zone which was is not what you would have achieved if you were in the military you wouldn't have done that long uh potentially yeah but most likely not. What did the fallout of you being away look like mentally when you came back? That, I would say, wasn't apparent until I've been back a while. Because, okay. like, as a lot of ex-soldiers can tell you when they come back from a tour, you're still riding that high, man. For all the horrible things I went through mm. this, this morning, any drug, the adrenaline, just... Yeah. And it, that, that took a, a, a long time to sort of wear off and then once that did there was the fact that i had barely slept in a in a proper way and i was always on edge for 14 months that's when that came in so then i spent most of that just drained so i've gone from like a drastic sort of almost like a lift of yeah. being high to then like a crash and a hangover i've never truly experienced before in my life and I probably never will again it was just like the the thought of actually rolling over in bed to to, to to be more comfortable seems so laborious that you just lay there and suffer and be half in and half out and it was just it was almost like a really really deep body depression but without the sort of being sad part if that makes sense you just had all the symptoms of it not all the yeah and i think that that's quite a poignant point actually especially with depression is like a lot of people think it's about the mental that the mental state that that can put you in but actually physically and of recent that's been more my angle and I, I, I hate to call it an angle but it is you know i yeah, feel yeah. like depression is sort of more kicked in now than ever with me and it's physically more taxing than it is mentally mentally i can i just feel down that that's all i can call it but the rest is 
low mood, low sex drive, low everything. Low, literally to the point where I'm base, I'm baselining. You know, I'm, I'm need flatlining the, the way I feel. And I can see that, especially when you come back and you've used up all those stores, and now you you're in a, a low that your body must be like you need to rest now. But your head is in a place where you're stimulated. You know, you're stimulated. You're you're under threat still. You're tired. You're mentally your capacity to do anything other it's than just breathe. The, the, the chaotic side of it, where it's all a mishmash of everything, it's like puberty. But obviously, without the sort of, but you're having all these chemical imbalances, and and your mind's all over the place. You obviously uh, you have triggers and everything. Because I'm I'm right next to an airport, and I tell you one thing: nothing sounds more scary than a plane when you're actually on its food chain. I've never known a fear like it. And it's just, you know, that phrase I got from a friend, but it's that, that's what's something that stuck with me. When you realize you're on a plane's food chain and you start hearing planes, it changes the whole thing. And then drones. And then even noise, because uh, I'm right by a train station as well. So, and there's a tunnel. So as it goes through, there's like a whoosh of air from the vacuum. And that sounds like a rocket. So like uh, there's a, a thing called a milk train. So every morning from the, the, the farmers or the, wherever, the, the, there's a train that goes through. And every morning, it sounds, because I was I was under the rocket attack in Yarraviv when during the first half of the war, right at the beginning of the war. And I was there. It, the first rocket landed 200 meters from my tent. I'd been there three days. I was like, I hadn't seen any form of conflict mm. for like over a decade. I was like four stone heavier than what I am now. You know, I wasn't prepared. You know, like, yeah, I didn't yeah. know this was coming. Like, I was just like, all right, yeah, let's go. And within two weeks, I wasn't doing fizz. I was like, no, it's too late for that now. You just had to deal with it. And then within four days of being here, we're getting absolutely battered by cruise missiles. Like, cruise missiles, man. And then, like, yeah, so it's going back, like, every every morning, this milk train goes through, and then because of the vacuum of it, it's... Yeah. So I'll four every morning. I'm there, like, pinging. Like, I, like, like, I've just been injected with methamphetamine. I'm like, oh, brilliant. So I try to go back to bed on that. What, what's been your remedy, then? What's, what have you been doing about it? First thing I did, literally on my way back, as soon as I got into the UK, the first thing I did, because I ain't no, I ain't no boy, you know what I mean? I'm a, I understand that I'm a man. I've proved that more than once. And I'm very different circumstances. I phoned therapists here, as you know, but like for, for the viewers, I phoned therapy. That was the first thing I was doing because in my mind, I was like, I need an MOT. I need to see what's happening. But then obviously I, I've, I've gone through that, started that process straight away. Where, 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 where I got hit with the artillery, before with a brain injury. So I've gone through the medical side. That was the first thing. And then after that, obviously it was my kids. To sort of talk about the mental health side of things, specifically after I finished, like got back, it's quite hard because I'm running on that high. Heroin addicts would be the closest thing that could explain because that's exactly what when it's When I like. first saw you, that's what I thought. I thought you're, you're still, still buzzing. Yeah, and, and I was. I, and I was a little bit like, mm, there's a crash coming. Oh, percent And you know, like we... You see it in your workplaces, and I see it in I see it within our workplace at the RBL. I've seen it, and you know, and then obviously it's completely different. But at the same time, it's not because you see someone, and it's that masculinity thing again. It's that it's that pot of masculinity, and actually even within females as well. Whatever is that they're buzzing, and you're like, I'm waiting for it now. You're you're hiding something else. It's coming out. Whatever much you're gonna do, which it did, it. which it did, because obviously I I started the therapy, and I, I I went in with a very open mind. I just you know I was fully understanding. I just spent 14 months in a very kinetic environment and it'd be it'd be stupid for me not to at least get some sort of professional help in one way or another in the mind that it might come for nothing in the mind that it might and then once that adrenaline wore off which you know after a few weeks it did but your body's still in fight or flight mode so like the, the buzz is gone but then you've got the sort of sickly feeling that yeah. used to come with it i was doing two things i was uncovering the emotional side of the 14 months i just had with the therapy because that's what it's all about it's about you know how did you feel you know, when you've done this and done that and saw this and saw that, what, what was it like? You, you know, and then you go through that. At the same time, I was transferring because I kept a diary, quite a good one as well. 
watch out for that in a few years. But, <laughs> yeah. and, then what, and then what? And then what? I'm an idiot. <laughs> but like, uh, I'm converting that to a story because all my children are going to see is that their dad just dipped out for 14 months. Then you know they couldn't really understand it. I tell them now in their own appropriate way, or you know, like what I can. But they're, they're never, you know. So this is for when they come of age and sort of maybe have a better understanding of where I was. So I've started doing that. So now I'm reliving it all. So I'm doing two things, you know. And this is after the adrenaline's gone. This is where I'm now on that crash. I'm going through the emotional side, re re recutting those scars, and then I'm reliving the memories sort of in my mind constantly. That was really raw to begin with. And I have to admit, like, I did spend a lot of time in my place feeling a bit like, oh, like just sort of almost out of touch with myself. And I, 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 I won't say it's from a position of weakness or anything like that, but it was just a serenity of everything that's just happened. Because like, I, I lived a very, very colourful year to be, yeah. to be, you know, to skirt around a lot of it. It was like a lot happened. And industrialised war as we, we've done it is not designed for you. Like, we're not designed to see that. <laughs> like, it's barbaric in a, in a way that it's very hard to fathom. And that takes a long time to catch up. And it still hasn't caught up completely, you know? I mean, to sit there and say that I'm fine, it's, no, it's a complete understatement. You can't be fine from stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm from a position of comfort. Because mm. I'm here now. I'm here with you boys, mm. you know what I mean? Sitting here. My 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 biggest gripe about today is that I, I might have to eat dinner a bit later. Oh, no. So I'm going back to my massive beanbag and projected TV and all my home comforts and having my, my nice, beautiful meal in the heat, in the warmth, a bit later than usual. Mm. There's people out there that have been there from the beginning because they're stuck there because it's their country they're That's fighting right. for. I try and hold myself to a sort of a position of fortune that I've, I've, I've had the choice because I willingly went to that war voluntarily. I went forced, I went strong arm. You know, this is my, this is my, me making that choice.